Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Here we go. New series. This is number one in this series. The series is Know Your Enemy. And the title of it, there's so many titles that we could go, but today I'm calling it The Origin of Demons and How to Win Spiritual Warfare. That's kind of like the overall umbrella of this series. Today I'm going to take you to school. You know, the next two weeks I'm going to go into the practical aspects of how to deal with, uh, you know, the enemy's tactics, what they are in a real and practical way. You know, don't worry, we're not going to get strange. I'm not going to line everybody up and try to walk you all through deliverance and get you to puke in a bucket or anything like that or, you know, <laughs> slap you in the forehead with a Bible or nothing like that. Because let me just, I'll just tell you the bottom line from the beginning and then we'll go backwards from there. How's that sound, right? The devil has no power. Spiritual forces, evil spirits, demons, fallen angels, Nephilim, all that stuff we're going to talk about have no power, no authority. Jesus has all power and all authority over everything. And we are in him and he's shared his authority with us. Amen? The only power that any lying spirit has is your willingness to participate with it. That's it. And that's not even a power as much as it is a trick. The more you know who you are in him and what Christ has done for you and your authority in him, the less susceptible you are to lies and deception. That's the whole ball of wax that we're going to talk about. But there's a lot of details in that. Some of you may find today interesting. Some of you may not be that interested in in some of the details. How how many of you are interested in why are there demons and where did they come from? Okay, that's, that's most of you, so... The rest of you, we got some coffee in the back, and there's a, you know, you can, there's, you can go in that corner back there and hang out with Tony. What's that? You're going to hit the buffet? Yeah. You know, we're going to cover around, the, hover around this idea of spiritual warfare, uh, and, and the, here's the secret. It, the battle is already won, but you may not know that yet. We're talking about these particular passages here, this is Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. I'm going to do the King James, and i got another translation. But finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This is, that's the whole point of where we're going in this series is that you would be strong in the Lord in the power of his might, which works in you. Because he's already in you. If you've said yes to Jesus, you have this power in you. Amen? So that, that's, that's the whole point of where we're going is how do I stand in the authority and the strength that God has given me? Not just to ward off demons, but to experience this deliverance that God has already given me. So put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, Uh, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And there's lots of names of what we're talking about. I'm not going to take the time to break down what each and one of those things are, 
there are some people that attempt to do that and they like they've got all this structure and order i'm not going into all that but i do want to you know address the idea this is the uh excuse me the english standard version and i just wanted to see show you the different terms that get used so finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil it, notice it does you know here's what here's what if, if you can learn this tactic or uh, interpretive method of reading scripture you see what it says but also think about what it's not saying so in other words they're schemes they're wiles they're tactics they're not authorities they're not you know rules right the enemy has no power at all but the power of deception so they come at you with schemes and wiles and tactics and strategies and lies and the the only place that they gain influence in your life are the areas in your life where you let them the areas in your life where you aren't convinced of who you are in him and you're willing to participate with them all right i'm gonna hit the pause button we might have gone too cold yay adam show adam some love back there thank you now i see people doing this <laughs> freeze them out for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers against authorities against cosmic powers interesting over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places so you got in in this whole you know topic of study and thought you have fallen angels watchers how many of you ever heard the term watchers okay you have lucifer you have nephilim how many of you ever heard the term nephilim okay um demons principalities powers rulers authorities thrones dominions evil spirits familiar spirits devils spiritual forces these and i'll probably jump around but you know it'll all be cohesive as we go but this idea of familiar spirits that's that's probably the way they tend to manifest in most of our lives or in in the general pop pop culture of our society you know with psychics and uh mediums and and people knowing things you know it, it, it's so a, a familiar spirit might be a demon or an evil spirit that knew your grandfather or grandmother or been connected to your family for a while they know things and so if there are people you know we're all spiritual we're all able to interact and perceive and communicate with that dimension and so if you have somebody that's kind of tuned that um that capacity they may be hearing from, from these things. So you ever, how many of you ever watched the mediums or the psychics on TV? And it's like, there's somebody here with the name of uh, so-and-so. And they're like, oh, that's me. Oh, my gosh. And so because that happened, they instantly give credibility to that person saying that, right? You know? Uh, and, and, but it's a deception. Just because somebody knows something doesn't mean they're hearing from God or hearing from a spirit that has their best interest in mind. So we got to be careful about all that kind of stuff, you know. But it's real. That stuff is really happening. That stuff is, you know, the, the, those people aren't just making it up. That kind of stuff happens. I think the weird one is the guy that talks to the dogs. Isn't there one of those? The dog's telling them? No, not the dog whisperer. That's Caesar. I like that guy. 
there's another guy. Dog psychic. Dog psychic. Woo, buddy, let me tell you. All right, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, just so, you know, if this, if, if this interests you, stick with me. I, I, I'm going to tell you ahead of time, in this one, you know, because I'm not, this is not like a line upon line, precept upon precept. I am going to give you usable knowledge and information, but I'm going to jump around too, all right? Y'all get, y'all, y'all give me that permission. So, what's that? Squirrels. There may be lots of squirrels in this series. I'm just telling you ahead of time. You probably won't be able to read this, but I'm going to read this to you. Uh, we'll talk in general about those beings. I won't take the time to define each title. It's, it's unnecessary, and we really don't know anyway. We'll start in the days of Enoch before the flood, which is mostly what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to read a little bit about the book of Enoch, talk about fallen angels and watchers and their hybrid corrupt offspring known as Nephilim. We'll look at the watchers, at what the watchers taught mankind and what the Nephilim were doing before and after the flood and where demons came from. And there is a connection with the Nephilim and demons. And the Nephilim were giants, if you're unfamiliar with that, Genesis 3. Uh, Nephilim were doing before and after the flood. Uh, Let's see. And how to stand in your victory in Christ regarding spiritual warfare and how to never be afraid of or deceived by any devil ever again. And how to help others live in the deliverance from darkness we've already experienced in Christ. And we'll end by talking about things like binding and loosing as well as how to bring your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ as the method of enforcing your victory you already have in Christ. Amen? So that, that's the general summary. A lot of times I have that in my heart and I unpack it, but for this series, this is it's just a different series and, you know, it'll, un, it'll come out differently. So let's go. Where did they come from? We're talking about these lying spirits. How many of you believe that demons are real? Yeah. I'm not going to say who didn't raise their hand. I didn't see anyone. Doesn't matter. All right, so this is what... Building this idea, let's look at Jude, uh, there's just one chapter, but Jude 1.6, let's say, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their abode. You know, there's order to the kingdom of God, right? And that, that whole side over there, on that side, that's where God is in control, if you could say that. The domain that he's given to mankind we have control over. Now, he will work with us through this, you know, in this, in this uh, physical or carnal realm. But in that realm, whatever he says goes. But there are beings that have the capacity to even rebel, but he still orders what it looks like over there. And we'll talk about even that structure and authority. But that's why the world looks like it does now is because he gave it to mankind and we messed it up. Not because he sat down and wrote out some divine comedy ahead of time and determined that how you would die and people that you love would suffer. God didn't sit down and write that stuff out. Those things are in the world because of sin through, you know, d- death through sin, which we introduced, not him. So he has re- so these angels that left their proper abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. You know, so you, you see this idea. How many of you ever studied Greek mythology? You've read Percy Jackson or some of those kinds, or you've seen, you know, you've seen, uh, there's a movie that came out 
the guy that plays Superman, and um, I can see the pictures. But anyway, in this in this movie, there's a place called Tartarus, and there are these beings that are in this box. Is it is it the immortals? Is it the immortals? Yeah. Uh, what does it call those things in that box in that movie? Do you remember? Yeah. Sorry, she's like brand new, and she, I'm, I'm bringing her in. You, you want a microphone? Well, yeah. But the, so there's these ideas in culture, and they end up in our movies, and they, they lift those things out of books that have been written and stories that have been told throughout the ages. They come from things like this. Right now, in this moment, there are a group of spiritual beings that rebelled against God that God put into chains uh, waiting for the final judgment. It's an interesting concept. Now, I'm going to throw a few ideas out there that might challenge. I'm not saying I believe certain things, but I kind of just want to help you think through some of the things that we believe. A lot of people think that Lucifer is also one of those. So we don't have Satan, like the big devil, running around the planet right now doing all these things. We have their offspring running around doing all these things. Now, that, that's just one school of thought, but there are a group of them that are chained that are not loose on the planet right now. And I'll just say, demons, well, let's keep going. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Uh, As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar manner to these, having given themselves, themselves, these spiritual beings, these watchers, uh, over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now, that is why God created the lake of fire. Because of that right there. The lake of fire was created for them, not humans. I'm not saying that humans won't go there. I'm just saying that God didn't create all of everything with a torturous hell already created in, in his mind. And I'll say this as well, and I'm just putting this out there. Within classic orthodoxy, in other words, legal interpretive scripture, throughout the ages, there have been two schools of thought on hell or uh, eternal punishment or, or, or the lake of fire or all that. You know, hell is classically what would be called Hades, and that is like a holding place until the, of, of those that are not saved, that's where Jesus went and preached to those souls that had not yet heard the gospel, and some of them left that area at the resurrection. But this place called Hades will be emptied out. If you're in Christ, as soon as you die, you are with the Lord forever. Amen? But if you die without Him, you go into a place like Hades and await the final judgment. And in that final judgment, that's where we know of the sheep and the goats are separated and those that have not received him are cast into the lake of fire, which is called everlasting punishment. Now, there are two schools of thought on the, on the experience of a human going into that lake of fire. One is your soul is immortal. In other words, it, you, were, you were born to live forever. And so if a human goes into that lake of fire, it will be conscious eternal torment. The other school of thought is souls are not immortal and you have to be given the gift of eternal life to live forever. And the lake of fire actually extinguishes a soul, annihilates the soul. In other words, does away with that human. Either way, it's tragic and it's a loss. Now, 
It's classic Orthodox Christianity. That's called annihilationism in, in classical interpretation. A lot of people believe that. And there's a, there's a lot of reason for a lot of people to believe that. So just putting that idea out there. Uh, you know, God didn't create a torture chamber ahead of time for humans. These fallen angels, which there must be a different level of accountability for them of why he created that. And we don't know what happens to a soul that goes into the lake of fire. Some people will say, well, you get tortured forever. Well, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. But I want to spread the gospel as if, I mean, knowing that whatever it is, people will be separated from God forever, whether they exist or not. I want as many people in heaven as possible. All right, so this is, let's keep going. This is Genesis 1. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them that the sons of God, now this word, B'nai I Elohim in the Hebrew is sons of God, and it's possibly a different type of being that had the capacity to manifest into this dimension and interact with humans sexually. Some people call them watchers. Some people call them even Elohim. And that's a whole, <laughs> there's just so much to go into all this. We classically think of Elohim as God, but there are some people out there that say that there is a class of beings called Elohim which doesn't take away that there's one true God. There's still only one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There is, you know, he is the one true God. There is no other God before him nor after. There's only one, amen? That is in our creed. That is what we believe. So an Elohim, or a son of God, is not an eternal God equal in power to the one true God, but might be a different kind of being that had different capacities than an angel. Just putting that out there. Some of this may be, seem like overload, but it might pique some of your interest to just do some study. So that the sons of God, is, the point being, we're not talking about humans. We're talking about spiritual beings that left their natural abode, rebelled against God to come here and wreaked, wreaked habit, havoc. Uh, so that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, all of whom they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. And a lot of people believe that that's where God decreed that a human can only live up to 120 years from then on. There's, and there's a lot of reason to believe that. Continuing on, Genesis 6, 4, there were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them, uh, those were mighty men who were old men of renown. So giants or Nephilim in history. How many of you ever heard of those, read about that, studied those? I did a huge deep dive into this stuff back in the early 2000s. I came, and I'm not, this is not just a plug, I just want you to know, I, I wrote a story about it, this, the book of creation, I put it into a... Uh, I had somebody help me put it into a novel form, but you know, there, there's, there's a lot out there that you can look into. All right, so let me walk you through some pictures. These are obviously, some of them are uh, drawings and, and paintings, and some of them are actually from antiquity. So 
When you think of giants, what do you think of? There you go, Goliath. So we got David and Goliath. I mean, look at that guy. You know, sometimes we think a giant and it's like a, you know, Jack and the Beanstalk. These dudes were vicious. They were warriors. They are, you know, they're, if you go into antiquity and in ancient cultures, you read stories about these beings, they were fierce. They sought to dominate mankind. They set themselves up as gods and kings on the planet back then to rule mankind. We're going to get into a lot of detail, so let me just keep going. And then also, too, Joshua and Caleb. See, see over there on the right, the smaller guys pointing up to the giants, carrying the big grapes and stuff. Uh, Joshua and Caleb, you know, when, it, when, when Moses couldn't take the Israelites over into the promised land and he sent out 12 spies and only two came back with a positive report, Joshua and Caleb, they'd seen giants in the land and they're like, I think we can take them. The other 10 are like, we are grasshoppers in their eyes. That's their mindset, right? And so Joshua and Caleb knew, no, no, we know the story of David. We know our God. We can do this, right? I mean, it's amazing when you think about it. And then you read through that, and there's stories where God would send hornets into the... So the promise to the Israelites where I'm going to lead you into the land of Canaan, the promised land, where you will live in houses you didn't build, you will reap of gardens you didn't sow, land flowing with milk and honey. It is a place of blessing that I can nourish you into a healthy nation of priests to be a blessing to the whole planet. Remember, those are the promises that he gave to Abraham and to Moses I want, God's saying, I want a nation of priests, a nation of holy ministers to go into the world and be a blessing to the whole world so that I can dwell among them and live with them. That, that's what God has wanted. And so what he did with these guys is he, he sent them over and he worked with them. There were hornets that would go out throughout the land and chase these giants out and sometimes they would battle them. I mean, if you read, there's stories of battles. It, it's really pretty amazing. And then also in reliefs and in antiquity, you have the Sumerians, the Babylonians, ancient Egyptians. They're even finding other cultures now, but they all have these common themes of what they look like, and, and stories are very, very similar. Pre-flood stuff and right after the flood, as it said in Genesis 6. But <clears throat> you have these stories from Sumeria. You may not necessarily be able to see this, but can you see the smaller people, and the bigger people. These are depictions of what life was like back then. And if you see this guy, the, 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 the big one here, he's got his foot on one of the smaller guys laying on the ground. See that? And then this guy flying in this thing up here is Enki, E-N-K-I. This is a Sumerian god that probably existed back then. Now, anybody watch Ancient Aliens? Ancient, 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 or ancient astronaut theorists say God is not real. That's basically the bottom line of everything they say. But those guys are, they, they do great research. I love watching the show, but they come to wrong conclusions. But it's all based on these cultures. These things existed. And so it's not, you know, a lot of people talk about, well, let me keep going. This is another area. Uh, I think this is Tiawanaku. There's Pumapunku, Tiawanaku, there's all these phrases. Some of them sound obscene, 
but like in the in Peru and Central and South America, you see things like this. You see that per now that that is a child, but if it were a, you know full grown, the point here is look look at the structures of the rocks. Now, so, scientists, archaeologists date these to ten to eleven thousand years old. Now you know we know. There, there's a lot to be said about a young earth model. I'm not trying to argue for that there's not a young earth model. I'm just saying in traditional accepted science, they date these back to the oldest civilizations on the planet. So the point of that is look at the structures. It's when they, when they analyze these rocks, it's as if the rocks were melted into place. Now, one of those, like the big rock there, we don't have cranes on the planet that can lift those today. Some of the bigger structures, but look how they're picked. I mean, who put that together? How did that get put together? These rocks are in shapes and cuts and dimensions and fitted together in ways that humans can't even figure out how they did it back then. Now, that was either pre-flood man that had knowledge of the earth that ruled and reigned over the earth in a way uh, that they produced these, or this was a product of the Nephilim, these giants exercising their rulership over the earth. Let's keep going. This is another area. This looks like, this is, again, 6,000-year, 5,000, 6,000-year-old structure, and it's like laser cut. So I watched an episode where they were talking to a, a, a guy that understood how to build these kind of structures and what it would take. He said it would, he said it would take so much time to cut, because there's thousands of these things out there in this area. He said it would take so much time to cut this stuff with a laser that it would be so expensive that you wouldn't even bother doing it. Yet they're there. First off, for it to be five, six, seven thousand years old and, and the technology to have existed for them to perfect laser cut these things out, you know, it's like there was an understanding back then from these cultures and civilizations that, that break, first off, break down the evolutionary model, but then also show there was something going on back then that we're unaware of now because the, tech, the, ev the, the archaeological evidence shows they were far superior in their technolog technological understanding, you know. All right, so check this out. This is a giant skull. Now, I tried to find the one that's next to a human skull, but the human skull, the top of the human skull would come up to about the bridge of the nose in this particular picture. Now, have you ever seen those cultures where, where they'll, they'll elongate the heads of the babies? They wrap those bands around them and try to elongate. Probably what they're doing is they're trying to make their babies look like the gods of old. The problem with this is there's, this is not an elongated skull because one simple fact, there's too much bone mass, right? This isn't just a stretched skull or a flattened skull. It wouldn't hold its shape up like that to that much. So there's too much bone there for it to just have been shaped into that. So these cultures where they're shaping their babies' heads, they're mimicking the gods of the past. That's what these Nephilim were doing, these giants. They set themselves up as gods and kings over humans to the point that they corrupted mankind to the degree that God had to wipe it all out and start over. I mean, that's what we're talking about. 
Let's keep going. Y'all like the pictures? Look at this. These are actual axes, battle axes found, I think, in like Norway. And, the, and those are legit made axes, weapons. I mean, think of what would have wielded that thing. This is a crown. Uh, let's see. This is a giant crown of the, I forget, the, the Cropsy, Crosby collection. Look, look at that crown on that guy's head. Where'd that thing come from? Who would have worn that? And then you have Sumerian, Babylonian structures. Now, this is probably what the sons of God or the watchers looked like. Can you see the wings coming off of them? Top and bottom wings, the beard. In a lot of these reliefs and structures, you see that you see like they're kind of holding like this bucket down there and they got a, something on their wrist that looks like a watch and the pine cone thing. You know, again, this is very unusual for what I normally go into. Y'all know this. But it's interesting to think about. So the pine cone there, some people say, represents the pineal gland, which in your pineal gland, even, so like Dr. Newberg, who did the tests on people praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, the, in, the, in, the center parts of your brain act differently when you're praying in tongues and spirit as if you are connected to something outside of yourself is what one of his conclusions is. A lot of people say in ancient culture, um, our brains are hardwired, so not the ancient culture part, but even modern science is finding out our brains are hardwired to interact with God. Our brains are actually hardwired to not just process you know, stuff going on inside of our physiological body, but to interact with God in a way that is on a spiritual level and not just physical. Some people say that have studied these, that they were manipulating, they were, you know, through psychedelics and drugs, that they were uh, manipulating mankind to be able to uh, rule over them and control their minds even, some people say. This is a Greek I mean, look how tall that person is next to the other one. You know, you just have it all throughout history. This is Egypt. Now, this one's... Oh, I thought I made that bigger. Sorry about that. Maybe I've got it in a different... Let me go to this one. All right. How were the pyramids built? Look, look at that. You see the obelisk on the left, right? And why are there obelisks all over Rome and Catholicism? I'm not going there. We'll just... <laughs> just thought I'd ask that question. Anyway, look at these beings over on the right next to the obelisks. And you see, if you can see up in the upper left corner, there are humans down there, barely tall enough for the base of it. Now, that's not necessarily that one, but those are obelisks from the period of when these hieroglyphs are depicting human civilization. Are you with me? All right, so down on the bottom, look. Look at, that, look at that tall guy carrying those rocks, those blocks. Maybe that's how the pyramids will be. You know, ancient or even Egyptologists don't know how uh, the pyramids were built. No, nobody has a good understanding of how the pyramids were built. Maybe that's how they were built. You know, the, uh, in Egypt, the Sphinx and the pyramid, or the three, you know, Giza pyramids, there are no hieroglyphs or markings or structures. They found some inside one of them, 
and they ended up being put there thousands of years later. Point being, the cultures that built those probably existed a thousand or two years before what we classically know of as, as the Pharaoh ancient Egyptian time period. And they came along and had these stories and continued to create hieroglyphs and depict their ancient gods and kings. Look at this one, another one in Egypt. That's, that's a pharaoh there. And he's got his hand out like this, and he's holding the ponytails of three other smaller humans. You see that? And then this is another one. This is giants next to a giraffe. <laughs> I can't believe I'm actually teaching this stuff here. I'm, I'm kind of like, <laughs> what are we doing? But, but it's, it's interesting. Are you get, are you, is this interesting to you? All right, so we're in it now. Uh, and again, just, just more hieroglyphs, giant beings next to smaller beings, you know, so it's, so it's in culture, it's in antiquity. Now, then you start getting into, okay, well, what were they, and this might be a little bit hard to see, but this is a, you know, more of a Sumerian thing. In the middle, you've got what, what some people say is uh, the human genome, DNA. And they've got these weird uh, structures, there's writing on there, and, and some of these translations, they've talked about what's called the Anunnaki. You ever heard of the Anunnaki? So ancient alien theorists say that the Anunnaki came from far distant galaxies, found chimps here, modified our DNA, and that's where humans came from. Wow. And, and those are called Anunnaki, which in the Bible are referred to as the sons of Anak. Now, um, the, there, there's a new atheist movement, and there's one guy that wrote the book, The God Delusion, Richard Dawkins. You know who Richard Dawkins is? Huge you know, opponent. He's not just an atheist. He's an anti-theist. I watched an interview with him, and he was pressed. And they said, I think it was, uh, I'm, I'm really dependent on you all today. You, John, you probably know the guy. He was a comedian, and he was a talk show host, but he's actually some kind of scientist. But anyway, he was interviewing Richard Dawkins, and he was pressing him on, okay, well, so if we don't really have any examples of macro evolution of one species or one kind becoming another kind, you know, is it possible that we were created? And he said, well, if we were, it could have been that, that aliens from another distant galaxy came and modified our DNA. Like the guy that wrote The God Delusion, the guy that built this whole mindset of why Christianity fails and there is no God is open to the idea of aliens come and genetically modifying chimps so that there are now humans on the planet. I, I'll, I'll find that interview and I'll post it in the church Facebook group that you can watch that. This is another one. These uh, sons of God, uh, uh, watchers. Now, we're not even to the giants yet, we're kind of, but again, what are they doing? What, what are they trying to depict here? And these similar examples are all, so these are winged deities kneeling beside a sacred tree, marble slab from the Palace of Nimrod, which is now in the British Museum. You know, there's all types of archaeological evidence for Nimrod. And just for fun, this is me and Sarah and Reese. So you see how big these structures are. We were in Paris at the Louvre, 
and saw some pictures of these, you know, beings. This was the code. I took this picture myself. This was the code of Hammurabi, which we have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of modern-day civilization is still, a, is still impacted by some of that ancient, you know, some of the ancient ways of structure and government. And we're just going to go long today. Let me just say, if you have to go, uh, I won't take it personally if you need to go. You can slide on out. Um, we love you guys, but there's a lot still here left. It's not going to be too much longer, but all right. This is just the top. You see the guy sitting down in the chair. What if he stood up? What would he look like next to that guy? Now, this is, this is probably Nimrod or um, Gilgamesh. You ever heard of the Epic of Gilgamesh? Probably actually existed. All right, so now the Book of Enoch. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a lot to you, okay? So, and the reason I want to read this to you is because we get a lot of understanding. Now, Jesus quotes the book of Enoch. Sam could probably tell you a lot more about this than I could, and I'm not really trying to be a classical theologian here. I'm just giving you some of this information. The book of Enoch was the last book that didn't make it into canon that we have now. In other words, the 66 Bibles that we have in our book, our, our books that we have in our Bible are canon. That's our canon. There are different versions of canon all the way up until three what? 370, 327, something like that? 397. 397. There were different versions of what the Bible actually was. Enoch was in there in most of them, and it's the last book to have not made it in, and they voted for it to not be in there. I'm not saying that we don't have the Bible that God wants us to. I absolutely do think that. I think God will move through men and people like that back then to give us exactly what he wants us to have. But that also doesn't mean that anything that's not canon should be disregarded. Jesus quotes the book of Enoch. It, Peter quotes it. Jude quotes it or references what it says. So in classical Christianity throughout antiquity, Enoch has been very much accepted. There are three different kind of versions of the book or three books of the book of Enoch, Acts, you could call it. Book one is what I'm going to read from here today in a lot of passages. Now, Enoch was uh, the grandfather of Noah, right? We know about Enoch. He was the seventh from Adam. He was before the flood. Um, he was the father of Methuselah, who was the oldest person in history, who was the last person to die before the flood. And it says of, of Enoch that uh, God took him. You know, the whole chariot of fire thing going up into heaven. So Enoch was very close to God and, and some of the things that he writes about are, are just fascinating. So, y'all ready? Enoch, we're going to start in book or, or chapter uh, 6 and go through a few. Again, I'm going to read you a lot, and then, and then we'll basically be done after that. All right, so, excuse me. And any of you that want these, the reason I'm going to take time to read this to you now is because most of you are probably never going to go find the book of Enoch and read it, and nor am I suggesting that you do that. But it is important to have the understanding of what is it that we're dealing with? What is it that we're actually, actually wrestling against on this planet right now? How do, we, how do we live within the truth of God? How do we not be deceived? How do we help others experience the deliverance that God has already given us, because there's creatures, there's spiritual beings out there running around 
and, and trying to dis derail us. Where did they come from? And we learn a lot about how they work from looking at these passages. So, all right, Enoch uh, 6, and it came to pass when the... And now, look how close to this mirrors Genesis, right? And it came to pass when the children of men had multiplied and in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters, and the angels, the children of the heaven saw and lusted after them and said to one another, Come, let us choose wives from among the children of men and beget us children. And Semyaza, who was their leader, was like a chief watcher, uh, said unto them, I fear you will not indeed agree to do this deed, and I alone shall have to pay the penalty of the great sin. So we get insight into which actual beings fell. Uh, now, there are different rebellions and fall falls. There was also a rebellion before uh, mankind was created, but I'm not going into that. We're talking more about the Genesis, six, uh, Genesis 3 thing, or Gen uh, 6. Yeah, sorry, Genesis 6. I think I said 3 earlier. All right, so Enoch 6, 4. And they all answered and said to him, Let us all swear an oath and all bind ourselves together by mutual imprecations, which is a spoken curse. So in other words, if I don't do this, then... You can, strike, you can strike me dead. In other words, they bound themselves to curses over themselves, right? So that they would be joined. Uh, not to abandon this plan, but to do this thing. Then swear they all together and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And they were all, and they were in all 200 who descended in the days of Jared, which is another book that's out there, on the summit of Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon exists. Many people think that when Jesus stood and said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against us, or what does it say? The church, that he was pointing to Mount Hermon, standing at the base of Mount Hermon, pointing back to Mount Hermon. A lot of what Jesus talked about, it actually referred to the destruction and the, the, the unraveling that these things caused back then. Uh, um, so 200 who descended in the days of Jared on the summit of Mount Hermon, and they called it Mount Hermon because they had sworn and bound themselves by mutual curses upon it. And all the others together with them took unto themselves wives, and each one chose for himself one, and they began to go in unto them and defile themselves with them. Remember that Jude passage? They left their original habitation and took upon and went towards strange flesh. It's talking about that. And they began to go in unto them and defile themselves with them, Defilement is what they're after. They're trying to defile you. And they will, we'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks. So listen to this. And they taught them, so these beings initially taught humans charms, enchantments, the cutting of roots, made them acquainted with plants. They became pregnant and they bore great giants whose height were 3,000 L's, and there's debate on the height of them. Some say as high as 30. I've heard some say 300 feet, but I don't know. Uh, what we have in antiquity that is, cat that is cataloged in some of the images shows around a 15 to 18 foot highest point, but the, I've heard some say, I think Og, the king of Bashan, his bed was 12 feet, and and... Anyway, let's keep going. All right, so who consumed all the acquisitions of men and when he could no longer uh, sustain them? Uh, so I'm, I'm skipping here. This is, so this is 7, verse 3. The giants turned against them, 
All right, so probably pretty clear, but the watchers, or this original 200, came to Mount Hermon, began to mate with women, and the offspring were giants, otherwise known as the Nephilim. The Nephilim continued. So then apparently what happened is God took those 200 original and put them in what in Greek is called Tartarus or even Hebrew, Tartarus, and chained those original 200, but yet the Nephilim, the giants, were still on the planet roaming, setting themselves up as gods and kings, which you see in ancient Egyptian mythology, ancient Egyptian, did I say Egyptian twice? Greek mythology, and, and all old, even China. You know, China's kind of separated over there, but there are tales of giants and mankind being ruled and dominated by those beings even back then. Hawaii, yeah, I mean, all over. The, the Moa, is it the Moa statues they found? You know, the, you know, it's all over the planet when you look for it. Uh, uh, five, and they began to sin, listen, they began to sin against birds, beasts, reptiles, bats. <laughs> Genetic modification, manipulation. Now, when it says sin against them, probably wasn't just having sex with bat or fish because that's what we think. We, we're taught, you know, it's sexual defilement and weird stuff. There was more going on. They were doing weird things. Try, I think, you know, so if you, you, if, you tr if you really get weird with it, what some people think is they were trying to corrupt what a human was so that it could no longer be a human and walk in the authority of God that God created humans to operate in. Some people think that there is this move called transhumanism where that's still being changed, that's still being... And if you go into the super deep conspiracy aspects of this virus that we're seeing right now, some people think that it's designed to change the genetic structure of a human and make them into a different kind of being. What we do know now is the NIH has admitted they were funding gain of research for this bat virus. Now, is it Nephilim trying to corrupt humans so that we're no longer human anymore? I don't know. But what I do know is these beings have messed with creation for millennia and caused all kind of weird and strange things to happen to defile creation, to corrupt mankind, and teach us all these weird things. Uh, so, you know, there, there's kind of this general consciousness within society right now that's like, something's not right. I don't know the official story. I'm trying not to be a conspiracy theorist. I see the science of it. I see this. I see the fact. I, I, don't, I don't know. But, but, but most people feel something's not right. Now, I don't really care. I'm not trying to go super deep into that. I don't really have beliefs on one way or the other, but I know what these things were doing back then. So let's just put bats in that line too, fish, to devour one another's flesh and drink the blood. Now, very common occurrence in all these civilizations is human child sacrifice, ultimately, specifically going after their hearts. Very common theme in ancient antiquity of these cultures that sacrificed people they would go after their hearts and either eat them or display them or something. Uh, then the earth laid accusation against the lawless ones. And now this is eight, 
And Azazel, which is another one of them, taught men to make swords. This is so, so, and knives and shields and breastplates and made known to them the metals. Now, where did he learn it? Because God's angels have these things, right? But these watchers and, and giants were teaching mankind things that they saw in heaven, but it was in a corrupt form that was never meant for mankind. Made known to them metals of the earth, the art of, of working them, bracelets, ornaments, the use of antimony. What is antimony? Metallurgy? Is that what it is? I don't know. Antimony. Somebody look it up. And the beautifying of the eyelids. Now, women, don't get nervous. <laughs> but makeup came from a particular area. Beautifying of the eyelids, all kinds of costly stones and coloring tinctures. And there arose much godlessness, and they committed fornication, and they were led astray and became corrupt in all their ways. And Samyaza taught enchantments, root cuttings. There's a huge surge back towards psychedelics right now. The young people, I say young people, they're all ages of people, young youngsters, where's my cane? You know, there's a resurgence back to psychedelics. Oregon made mushrooms legal. This thing called, you may have ever heard of ayahuasca. It's a root that can be dug up and people take these trips. Mike Tyson, you know, the boxer, he's like a huge mushroom, psychedelic mushroom and uh, ayahuasca proponent right now. And what they're do, what they, and Joe Rogan, you know, the number one podcaster on the planet is huge into this kind of stuff. And, and what they're doing is they're saying you can connect with the other side. There are other dimensions out there. There is a spiritual realm out there that you can connect with through these psychedelics. Where did we learn that? We learned it from these things, these creatures. They, that was one of the ways they tried to corrupt mankind, was teaching us how to do this stuff. And Armoros, the resolving of enchantments, and Barakihal, something... Thou seest what Azazel has done, who hath taught all unrighteousness on the earth. Now, see, humans were pretty good at wrecking things on their own, but these things made us even more corrupt to the point that God was like, all right, y'all had to have help to get this stupid. We're starting over, right? Uh, on earth and revealed the eternal secrets which were preserved in heaven. So, so interesting, which men were striving to learn and Semyaza to whom. See, there is a form, even within Christianity, even within the church, there is a form of spiritual knowledge that is not the way that God wants us to interact with it. It's mysticism. You see, excuse me, you see a lot of mysticism in charismatic Christianity, the way that the Holy Spirit works, the way that we hear from God, it's almost like witchcraft in a lot of circles, like God's out there and we're trying to divine a message from Him. God's not interested in manipulating things like that. What God wants to do is live in you and live through you so that as you just live and follow Him, you're not trying to discern these weird messages. And I, You know, I mean, that, I'm, that's, a, that's a huge generalization. I realize that. I will go into more of those things when we talk about deliverance in the next couple of weeks, but anyway, point being, just because somebody seems to be able to hear God and do spiritual things, it's not that impressive because we all can interact with God on that way. If a donkey can prophesy, it's not that hard. And sometimes I've seen people in church 
prophesying, and I'm thinking, oh, no. I don't, I just, that, the spirit in which you prophesy is not testifying of Jesus. What kind of spirits are you listening to? Again, we'll go into that stuff. And they've gone to daughters of men upon, have slept with women, and have defiled themselves and revealed them to all kinds of sin. I told you it's going to be a lot. And the women have borne giants, and the whole earth... Now, where we're, you're going to be in just a second. Um, and the women have borne giants, and the whole earth has thereby been filled with blood and unrighteousness. Can you say flood? And now before the souls of those who have died are crying and making their suit to the gates of heaven, and their lamentations have ascended and cannot cease because of the lawless deeds which were wrought on the earth. I mean, these things made a mess. We're still in Enoch. And thou knowest all things. Now, this is God. There's, there's, I'm not giving the context of everything I'm reading, but this part, God's talking to Enoch. And thou knowest all, or Enoch is talking to God, I think. And thou knowest all things before they come to pass and became corrupt in their ways. Simyaza taught enchantments, root cuttings, the resolving of enchantments, astrology, the constellations, knowledge of the clouds, signs of the earth, signs of the Sioux. Uh, these things are what Paul is talking about in Colossians 2 when he talks about the rudiments of the world and the principles of this world. Today we see it in what's called animism or everything has a spirit, mother earth type stuff, the rudiments and the principles of the world. That's kind of the religion they were setting up back then that, that the earth was your mother and you could interact with your mother through these things, you know, and gain knowledge through the cutting of roots and ayahuasca and trips and psychedelics. And in other words, you don't need God because you can be spiritual without him. Uh, and, and as men perished, they cried, and their cry went up to heaven. And the whole earth has been corrupted through the works that were taught by Azazel. To him ascribe all sin. Now, I'm not reading the Bible, okay? But I am reading a book that the Bible affirms, and we can gain a lot of insight from this, okay? So I'm not saying take this as seriously as the words of Jesus, but it's something to think about, right? It, it, you should, this is where you can, in your spirit, okay, how's this feel, you know? All right, we're, we're getting there. And now the giants who are, now th this is where did they come from? You want to know where demons came from? Here it is. And now this is Enoch uh, 15, verse 8. And now the giants who are produced from the spirits and flesh... So watchers and women shall be called evil spirits upon the earth and on the earth shall be their dwelling. Evil spirits have proceeded from their bodies because they are born from men and from the holy watchers is their beginning and primal origin. They shall be evil spirits on the earth and evil spirits shall they be called. As for the spirits of heaven, in heaven shall be their dwelling but as for the spirits of the earth, which were born upon the earth, on the earth shall be their dwelling. And the spirits of the giants afflict, oppress, destroy, attack, do battle, work. Now, so the spirits of the giants, demons, all this, affect, oppress, destroy, attack, do battle, and work destruction on the earth and cause trouble. They take no food, but nevertheless hunger and thirst. 
They're tormented themselves and cause offenses. And these spirits shall rise up against the children of men and against the women because they have proceeded from them. These evil spirits set themselves up against gods or as gods over mankind from back then, and they're still trying to rule and reign over mankind, but, say but, but. Colossians 2. Are you with me? Yes. Colossians 2. Huge, huge, huge scripture in understanding what Jesus accomplished, who he is, in other words, the supremacy of Christ, the, the Holy One of God, God in flesh, the authority of all authorities, the King of kings, right? This is who he is, has done this to those evil spirits, all right? This is where we are now. Colossians 2, for I want you to know what a great, this is Paul, but you start to see the language. So when you read Colossians and you don't really know that background, what, just, just kind of keep your heart open for here a minute and, and notice this, the implications of what's said that you might not have noticed before. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all the riches and the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God. Now see, the mysteries of God are taught to us, and ultimately you get down to see, the mystery is Christ in us, the hope of glory. These fallen beings are trying to teach all these other weird mysteries, which is ultimately Gnosticism. In other words, through secret knowledge and special knowledge and information, you can be an ascended master, a Jedi, an enlightened one, or whatever. You know, you start to see these things in culture. Um, but the, the mystery that God wants you to know is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You don't have to get into this weird, well, let's get into the deliverance and let's take this course and let's try to tap into the, the void that was before creation and draw energy from that place. And some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about, but some of you do. The secret mystery you need to know is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Why? Because that is God in you and everything that God is is in you. And you have the authority and the power of God in you. Amen? Amen. All right, so... <clears throat> the, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words, for though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Now, a lot of what Paul had to do was go back to the churches that he had established and write them letters to bring them out of errors that they were falling into. If I'm not mistaken, Sam, maybe you can help me. The church at Colossae had a tendency toward Gnosticism, right? Mystical knowledge and special knowledge. and Most of them did, yeah. So he's specifically dealing with these mysteries of ancient knowledge. And so beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. Now, if you do a study into those phrases, you start to get into what we see in culture today. And that is, well, I am a God. 
and we are just one with our Mother Earth and everything, you know, basically universalism. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. In Him you are also circumcised. And I, and I have a series where I talk about the circumcision of the heart. You can go to YouTube and just search my name and then search uh, circumcision of the heart. I've got a couple of them out there. I would recommend that if you haven't listened to that. But in Him you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. So, so this is the divine surgery that God does to you when you believe. He removes the old nature, puts His Spirit in you, gives you a new heart, and you're born again from that point on. And that is the kind of being that you are. Uh, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has He made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. The reason I'm reading this is because we've looked at the history of the origin of the demonic in the, in the earth. Jesus dealt with it on the cross. That's what we're getting to. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, the law, and has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, and having disarmed principalities and powers, have made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, so let no one judge you in food. So, I mean, a, a sliver of a statement in there, but Jesus forever set himself up and became the supreme one with all rule, power, and authority. So you never, ever have to, again, be subjected to what those beings, either in bodily or spirit form, did to mankind for millennia. And we stand in that authority. You don't have to give in to lies and deception and participate with these strongholds they're trying to set up in your life. You don't have an excuse to say, well, the devil made me do it or the devil's just messing with my life. Well, if he is or if they are, it's because you're letting them by believing the lie, specifically lies about yourself. I ain't gone this long in a long time. So let no one judge you in food or drink regarding festival or, or new moon or Sabbaths. And again, there's allusions back to all this, which were a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you. And, and Courtney just went over this. This really it was a good setup to even where we're going. The message you did talking about this was really good. Was that two weeks ago? Which, by the way, appreciate Mike for stepping up last week. Uh, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward. Take delight in false humility, uh, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, uh, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So, you know, he's addressing these things, not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together, joints and ligaments grows. So he's refining it all back down to Christ. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourselves to regulations? And so he shows how there's an association with religion and mankind trying to be righteous in and of themselves related to what those things were doing and how they corrupted mankind. 
I don't have a time to go into all that right now, but you see he's undoing all of that corruption that got sown into the earth that those beings were trying to do by stating it's about Jesus. Amen? So, uh, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom, self-imposed religion, false humility, neglect of the body, but are of no value of the indulgence of the flesh. So, also what's important, Ephesians 1, 18 through 19, 21, 22, and then Ephesians 2, 4. I'll bring those up next week. But here's our conclusion. Any spirit or force that is not of God is under our feet, and we need have no fear. You can stand in your authority, and the enemy cannot touch you. Jesus said, the enemy comes, but he has nothing in me. That is also true of you. But if you don't know that, you might give in to. So how do they work now? They stand outside of you as if they're radio signals. This is just the metaphor illustration. What are demons trying to do in your life? It's like they're sending broadcast signals to you, like, like a radio signal, a radio frequency, but it's spiritual in nature, but you have the capacity to receive it, right? That's what a radio does is it receives radio signals and converts that into sound. You do that from outside. Now, God's doing it from within you, but demons are doing it, doing it outside, and you will only perceive it or receive it and translate it into something that you actually start listening to if you believe about yourself whatever it is they're saying to you and lying to you about, right? They don't come at you with stuff that you're not already believing. Now, this is what we're going to go into over the next couple of weeks and talk about how do we ward this stuff off? How do we win these battles? How do we... Uh, determine their strategies? How do we know when we're being afflicted and, 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 and oppressed and what to do about it and then how to help others walk out of it as well? But you don't have to be afraid that the devil's just going to come into your life and make things happen. If for some reason your life becomes susceptible to the working of evil spirits, you can do something about it. You can stand in your authority in Christ and you can tell them absolutely no. You cannot touch me. You cannot come into my life. Now, that also then means you have to put on the new man. You have to know who you are in Christ so that you aren't susceptible to those lies. I have been possessed. A lot of you know my story. Hearing voices, everything. I was not saved, did a bunch of drugs, hearing voices. They convinced me to believe that I was dead. I'm, this is like, I mean, we're going into high gear now. <laughs> I believed everything they told me. I can understand why people like Berkowitz or Horowitz or whatever his name was, the son of Sam, says that, you know the killer from back in the 70s, I think, was known as the son of Sam. He said he was killing people because his neighbor's dog was telling him to do it. I can understand why that would happen because I have been in that mindset, totally deceived, believing everything that the voice has told me, but after having getting born again and walking out of that, I learned a lot of those strategies of what they're doing. You only will give in to their lure and tactics and strategies if you already believe that thing about yourself. The belief in you that's contrary to who you are in Christ is the stronghold. Once you get rid of that belief and you believe who you are in Christ, they have nothing else to attach to. The enemy is trying to reinforce 
the negative belief, the lie that you have about yourself. If you change how you see yourself, they have nothing to echo. They have nothing to reinforce within you. And so then it becomes, oh, you dummy, you just make mistakes all the time. Well, no, I'm not. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have the wisdom. I have the mind of Christ. That's how you ward that stuff off. If you have somebody that come, if you have one of those spirits coming in and saying, well, you know, you just tend to give in into this. And so you might as well just go ahead and drink that, take that, say that, look at that, do that. Because it's just who you, you know, you've already done it. You may as well just go ahead and give in to it. No, you're right. I'm just worthless. I don't believe it. I just am that. This is who I am. I was born this way. No, no, no. Go ahead and keep on doing it. Well, you've, you've allowed that external reinforcement to then uh, echo what you already believe and then live out. They're not making you do it. They're not bringing in things that you don't already believe, but they're, they're reinforcing where you already are. So what you're doing, what the, 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 the trajectory from here forward is for you to put on your identity in Christ it, it, from the inside out. So that in the area of the demonic and evil spirits and all this stuff, you're not susceptible. And that you live in the victory and the authority of Christ and the enemy cannot touch you. And the more you know who you are in him and who Christ is in you, they just cannot touch you. They can't come into your life and just make things happen. And I hope that's freeing and encouraging for you. And it doesn't take that much work. It's just to change how you believe. It's repentance. Change how you believe about yourself, what you believe about yourself putting on the finished work of Christ in your mind and in your heart so that it's true and that you live out of it in everything that you do. The devil cannot touch you when you know who you are in Christ. Amen? Amen. Man, we made it. I feel like I've slid into home, which, by the way, go Braves, right? We're going to the World Series. Come on. Let's stand up, put our attention on the Lord for just a moment. We have no fear of the enemy. Because all enemies, all spiritual wickedness, cosmic powers, dark forces, evil spirits, lying spirits, demons, whatever they are, they have no power. And you're listening now, and I tell all of them that are trying to mess with your lives to go. They cannot be near you. They cannot disrupt or corrupt your life because you have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of Christ. You are safe in the Father. You are hidden with Christ in God, and no enemy can come into that area. So just put that on in your mind and stand in that authority. And if you're being tormented, just let it go. Push them away and put on who you are in Him. Now, I'm going to go into a lot more detail on how to do that and what that looks like and how to help others do it as well in very practical ways. I appreciate your patience. That was a lot. Did you get something out of that? Okay, good. One last thing. Father, we just thank you. All right, I'm hyped up. Let me relax you. We're going to go out of here happy. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you that your spirit is alive and active. We acknowledge your presence in our hearts. In our, in our, we are the temple of the living God. Your spirit dwells within us. And your spirit walks among us and is with us. So because of that, Father, we claim those new covenant benefits. And I speak healing over every person in this place and those that are watching and listening. 
Lord, I thank you that our minds are open, our hearts are open to receive that provision that you have for us, even in a supernatural way where we can't explain it. We trust that your spirit, just like these little lying spirits are out there running around trying to make things, you are God and you are alive and active in our lives and you are moving into our future now into those life circumstances and you are drawing us into the best future that you can imagine for us. And we say yes to you. Father, we trust you. We speak health and life over these babies, over families, people that are in recovery, people that are going through divorce, people that are trying to restore their lives, people that are struggling with fear and anxiety, people that either just have, don't know what the future looks like. All kinds of issues happen. Those that are mourning loss, those have big decisions to make ahead of time, you are with us. We thank you that you are with us and you're leading us and you're guiding us. And we love you and we trust you. Amen.